Welcome back to Hold Fast, where we have biblical truths for daily battles. My name is Kenny. I am the host of the podcast. And if you listened to last week's episode, you know why this week's episode is dropping on Wednesday instead of Monday. And you know that we are beginning a new series of episodes today where I'm going to be answering questions from my sermons on Sunday. So our church is in a series called Did God Really Say? where we're going to be talking about some of the most controversial subjects of our day. And I talked a lot about this in last week's episode. I'd encourage you to listen to it for more context, but just very briefly, um, I, I, I can't say everything I want to say in a 40 minute sermon about some of these subjects. I mean, this past Sunday was so hard to keep my message to about 40 minutes. I had so much more that I wanted to say, and I can't answer every question. So I wanted to give the opportunity for people to ask questions and I will take those questions from the time the sermon is over on Sunday all the way through Wednesday, and I will try to answer those questions as best as I can on a podcast each week. So again, if you want more information about why I'm doing this, more information about the series, go back to last week's episode, but that's just a brief introduction as to what I'll be doing today. So this past Sunday, I preached on what it means to speak the truth in love. As Christians, we're commanded to do that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. That was our passage. We are to speak the truth in love. And I explained what truth is and what love is and how we're to speak those things. I gave some questions that you should ask yourself to know whether or not you're speaking the truth in love to someone. Uh, and I would encourage you this podcast episode may be helpful to you. I think it will be helpful to you even if you haven't listened to the sermon, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to the sermon. I'll do my best to remember to put that in the show notes of this episode for anybody who needs a link to my sermon from Sunday, but I would encourage you to listen to that sermon and then listen to this podcast episode. So I'm going to just take the questions that came, uh, however long it takes me to get through them. We're going to do that. And um, if if it goes long, I apologize, but you can just break the episode up if you need to do that. So uh, the first question that came in was a question about Judgment Day. Now, that may seem like a deviation from talking about speaking the truth in love, but I did say in my sermon, I talked about the fact that we will give an account for the words that we say. And, and one of the questions that I said we should ask ourselves is, this conversation that I'm having with somebody, if I'm trying to speak the truth in love to somebody, I should ask myself, will this conversation be rewarded? on judgment day? Will I receive heavenly eternal rewards because of my obedience to Jesus in this conversation by the way that I'm speaking the truth in love? Jesus said that every word that we say will be judged. And I do think we will give an account for these things. And so here's the question. Uh, is judgment day just for sinners? Many sermons are preached saying we must account for, account for our sins on judgment day. Aren't our sins already forgiven once we confess and repent today? Another way to say it, will we be required to give account for every sin on Judgment Day or just the ones we never mentioned before and after salvation or at the confession of our faith? Um, Paul is clear that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, many theologians parse out the uh, great white throne judgment and what is called the Bema seat of Christ. And they say that the, the, the unbelievers will stand before the great white throne judgment. Well, they'll be, they will be cast they're, 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 They will be judged for their sins. They will be cast into an eternity in hell. And that believers will stand before the Bema seat of Christ where we are forgiven of our sins, uh, but we give an account for our lives and how we stewarded, uh, 
the how we stewarded the things that God gave us, how we were faithful to him or not, and we'll receive rewards for those things. There are Bible passages that talk about the fact that some believers uh, will pass through judgment as through fire. In other words, um, our works will be tested on judgment day. The things that we did, the things that we said will be tested and we'll receive rewards for the things that we did in faith and the things that we did not do in faith. Um, the things that we did not do in obedience and faith to Christ will be burned up at the judgment. So we don't have a very ultra specific account of exactly how it's going to go down on judgment day. And there are many opinions out there as to whether or not Every single sin we've ever committed will be will be revealed. Uh, some people will teach that 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 will happen for believers. Every sin we've ever committed will be revealed on Judgment Day, but will be forgiven of those sins. That it will not be a shameful judgment, but will be will be accounted. Those sins will be accounted in a way such as they are forgiven in Christ. Um, what does seem to be clear from Scripture is that we will give an account for how we stewarded the gifts that God gave us. We'll give an account for how we lived our lives, uh, the things that we did in the body both good and bad, and we will stand before the Lord, give an account for that, we'll receive rewards uh, based on the things that we did. Um, I don't think that the judgment seat for believers will carry shame and guilt. Um, again, this is something that we have to be careful with and not speak outside of the bounds of scripture. Um, and I'm open to uh, challenges on this and different opinions on this to, that, that are based in scripture. But I really believe that judgment day for the believer will be a joyful occasion. There, there will be elements where we realize how little we did for Christ maybe and how much more we could have done, but we'll be standing and seeing Jesus face to face. And, and John is clear that when we see him, we'll be like him, we'll be sanctified, we'll be perfectly glorified. And so we're not going to experience the same kind of guilt and shame that we experience here on earth because of our sin. Um, I hope that's helpful. Uh, I don't believe that we're, well, I know, let me say, say that differently. Let me be clear. I know that we will not be judged for our sins because our sins have already been forgiven past, present, and future. Now, whether or not some of those sins will be recounted at judgment day. And then when the book of life is read, we're just pronounced forgiven. Um, or whether or not all that's recounted is the deeds that we did for the Lord. Um, I, I don't know exactly. There are differing opinions about that, um, that you can absolutely research if you'd like. I'm interested in doing some more study on this, honestly, and, and doing a full episode. So that may drop at some point, but that's kind of a, a short ish answer to that question. Um, I hope that's helpful per, to the person that asked that question. If it's not, you got my number. You can text me and tell me that wasn't helpful at all. And that's okay. I'd love to expound more upon that if you would like me to. The next question that came in uh, was actually this person sent in two questions. So I'll, the first one they, they sent was, how would you explain the difference between being kind and being nice? So again, the sermon was about speaking the truth in love, that we should always speak in love and in kindness. We went to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and gave ourselves a filter for biblical Christ-like love. So what's the difference between being kind and being nice? This person said, I think a lot of people struggle with that difference or possibly equate the terms altogether. They think that being kind and being nice are the same thing. And they miss the mark on speaking the truth out of fear of being unkind when they're really just trying to be quote unquote nice. To me, this really speaks to this concept of tone that you can be kind and harsh simultaneously, simultaneously, excuse me, because the truth is harsh to those who don't want to hear it. Um, 
this is some good thoughts here. Uh, and this is actually very important. This is one of the things that I did want to talk about on Sunday, but one of the many things that I didn't necessarily have time to do. So I'm glad it was asked. I do think that there is a difference between being kind and being nice. Um, I, I want to be careful here because I do think our focus is to, to be loving with Christ-like love, not so much being nice because being nice, generally speaking, is a very subjective thing. I can, I can speak the truth and love to someone very faithfully. I can really speak Christ's truth with Christ's love to somebody, and they think that I'm being a jerk. That's absolutely true. Um, Jesus said things often that made the crowds want to stone him on the spot. Um, and, and Jesus wasn't always, quote unquote, nice, right? He, he, he turned over the tables in the temple and he cast out the money changers with whips. And so uh, Jesus was not necessarily always nice in that sense, but he was always perfectly kind. It was his zeal for his father's house that caused him to do that. And so when Jesus gives us the greatest commandments, he says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Our love for neighbor is to be driven by and defined by our love for God. So if our neighbor is doing something in violation of God's command, it would be loving of us to point that out to them. Um, I, I am not advocating, and I do not think that we should intentionally try to not be nice. We, we can try to be nice, but I, I think this person who questioned this is right, that sometimes in our pursuit of being nice, we shy away from speaking the truth because we know the truth doesn't always come off as nice. And we got to be really careful of this. And I think it's Vodi Bakum who said, the 11th commandment is thou shalt be nice. And I think for some people, that's kind of true, and it shouldn't be. Um, we, we're, we're not told that we're to be thought of as nice. We are to be thought of as loving, um, but we're to be loving according to God's standard of love, not the world's standard of love. Um, so again, I, I hope that's a helpful answer. I think there is a distinction there between being kind and being nice. We have to be okay with the fact that the world who hates the truth of the gospel is often going to believe that we're not being nice. Um, I mean, we see this today. We're being accused of all kinds of things as Christians. We're being accused of being homophobic and bigoted and misogynistic. And all of these things are being accused of, of the Christians. And to be fair, there are some profess professing Christians who are doing those things sinfully and wrongfully, but there are a lot of really faithful Christians who are living the way that Jesus wants them to live obviously not perfectly, but they're striving to live the way that Jesus wants them to live, to speak the truth in love, and they're being accused of these things too. And it's not true. Um, here's what we have to ask ourselves. If somebody accuses you of not being nice, you need to honestly ask yourself, was I extending Christ-like love to that person? Did I speak the truth in love to that person or not? Don't judge yourself and your niceness on the scale of other people's expectations. Judge your kindness and your love according to the word of God. Ask yourself, the way that I spoke, was it kind? Was it patient? Was it tenderhearted? Was it gentle? And was it truthful? If I did all of those things and this person still thinks that I'm not nice, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, can, I can maybe uh, ask for forgiveness for any unintentional offense that was given. But if they're offended because of the truth, um, then we need to be okay with that. And we need to be prepared for that. Um, so yeah, we need to be prepared to not 
be thought of as nice sometimes, even when we have spoken the truth in love? I think that's a very, very important thought and question. So thanks for asking that. Again, as with all of these answers, if you want me to expound more, I am happy to do so. Um, everybody who sent in questions this week has my phone number. And so you can reach out if you're like, yeah, Kenny, that didn't help at all. I'm okay with that. I will not be offended. Uh, let's see. Oh, the second question this person asked was, how do you approach speaking truth to someone who is knowingly acting in bad faith? They're being deliberately obtuse, obviously lying, being tricky or circumspect in their answers, etc. Is it inappropriate to call the person on their bad behavior? Is this a pearls before swine scenario when Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine? And the proper thing is to simply end the conversation. So how to deal with somebody who is being a jerk towards you and, and biblically speaking, they're being a jerk, right? Cause this happens. Um, I've been in scenarios where I've been sharing the gospel out in public and people curse at you. I, I had somebody spit at me one time. Uh, we got kicked out of a mall one time cause we were just walking around talking to people about Jesus. We weren't making a scene. Um, so, so I've had different things where people are just, they, they have been rude. They've hated how do you deal with this? Um, I do think that it's going to, it's going to depend on the situation. And I hate to say that because I know that's a little bit of a non-answer, but there are some people you should try. I think you should always try to, um, calm the situation by, by being soft in your approach. A soft answer turns away wrath, right? So you should give a soft answer to this person. I think it's okay to say, hey, I'd, I'd really like to have this conversation with you, but I, it's gonna be really difficult for me to have it if you're gonna lie or if you're gonna be rude, if you're gonna be um, you know, tricky and whatever, whatever they're doing that's wrong. I think it's okay to say that and see how they respond. Um, sometimes people don't realize exactly how rude they're being in a moment and you can just, a soft answer will turn away, away their wrath. But, um, there are some times that that's still not going to work. Um, you know, we, we had a guy who just, he just kept getting angrier and angrier and we kept trying to be calm. We kept asking him, please, like, if you want to talk, we're willing to talk, but not like this. And he just got more and more angry and even began to get a little bit aggressive and we just walked away. Um, we said, you know, I'm really sorry. We'd love to continue this conversation, but we just can't. And we walked away. Um, now that's in public evangelism. So you may be dealing with a family member or a friend or a coworker, somebody who you're going to see again, somebody who you're going to have more interactions with. I think based on your relationship with that person, you should just say, look, I want to have these conversations, but I can't have them like this. Can we please have these conversations with kindness and with honesty and integrity? Um, if we can't, I, I can't, I'm not going to be able to continue in this conversation with you. Um, some of this you just have to absorb, right? Because if somebody's unsaved and if somebody has a different, uh, morality than you do, they're, they're going to act in ways that are different than you would act, um, as a Christian. And you have to be okay with that and absorb some of that. But I don't think we're, we're told to just absorb abuse. Um, I do think that there's wisdom in getting yourself out of situations that are dangerous, getting yourself out of situations that just simply are unhelpful. And there is some discernment in, in asking, am I just casting pearls before swine? In other words, am I giving truth to somebody who's not even listening right now? They're not ready to listen. And maybe I can come back and I'll be able to talk to this person, but right now they're just too angry and I need to walk away. So part of it depends on the situation. Um, I, I don't think that we just have to 
you know, grin and bear it necessarily. Um, but at the same time, as a Christian, we are going to have to absorb a lot of this stuff and just pray for wisdom. Um, again, if this is a family member or a friend, somebody you're going to continue to see, ask the Lord to give you wisdom in each conversation and be willing to just have the conversation with them and just say, look, I, I want us to be able to talk about these things, but I want us to do it in good faith with each other. Uh, hopefully that helps. The final question that I got was, um, I closed the sermon with a comment, you know, we, we need to redefine love, um, or we need to redefine our idea of what love is. And so, um, somebody asked, uh, what does God's love look like and how do I love with God's love? Um, can I expand, can I expand on this comment that I made? We, we need to redefine love, right? And I said something like, we need to re redefine our love according to God's standards, I actually think this ties back to the previous question a little bit about what's the difference between being kind and being nice, because the world's definition of love is niceness that I should never, uh, I should never disagree with somebody. I should just let people live their lives. Um, I, I should never say that I know what's true and that my truth is true and your truth is a liar. Um, I, I should never do that. Um, I should always be nice. I should always be agreeable. I should always, always try to have unity with every single person, right? That's the world's definition of love is niceness and uh, kumbaya and come together. And, and the reality is at a logical level that that's not always possible. We're going to have different ideas. We're going to have different opinions. We're going to have to disagree sometimes, and we're going to we're going to ruffle feathers, and and these things are going to happen. Um, and and we need to ask, what did Jesus do? How did Jesus love? We see stories in the gospel where Jesus encountered people who thought very differently than him. Some of his rebuke of the Pharisees of his day would make some of us blush if we were to say that say those words to, to somebody else, or if somebody were to say those words to us. Um, you know, I think of Jesus interaction with the woman at the well, he begins with this, you know, friendly interaction, asking her for water. And, um, and, and at one point he calls her out now he does it gently and lovingly. And he had built a relationship with her to a, to an extent in a short time, but he says, you know, go call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, yeah, you're right. Cause you've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not even your husband. Um, that's not nice according to the world's standards, right? Like Jesus, Jesus, what you got to bring that up for? That's none of your business, Jesus. But, but Jesus is perfectly love. And, and he says that love in that moment was for him to point out this woman's sin and to then give her the truth, to show her that her idea of worship was wrong later on in the conversation and, and to point out the truth of the gospel. Um, again, I already used this illustration, but Jesus going through the temple and turning over the tables of the money changers. And I mean, Jesus is, wasn't there a, wasn't there a better way to do that? Right? Like, couldn't you have just gone in and nicely asked those people to leave? Um, I mean, we, we really got to think about this. Um, I, I believe that many Christians specifically in Western cultures have, have allowed the culture to tell us what love is before we allow God to tell us what love is. We, we should not, I want to say this rightly. I don't want to be misunderstood here. We should not always seek to love people the way they want to be loved. 
Let me explain what I mean by that. I think we're taught this. I think we're taught that you should always love somebody the way that they receive love, the way that they want to be loved. The Bible doesn't tell us that. The Bible tells us what love is. Go back again to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, sorry, chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. That's what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't boast. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. That's what love is. Love is not you getting to tell me um, the way that I want you to love me is by not telling me the truth. The way that I want you to love me is you have to accept this part of who I am. Um, we don't. The, the Bible never tells us that. Um, and we, we've got to be careful with this. Um, we've got to ask ourselves whether or not we're loving according to the Bible's standard. And it's not just, I know I use 1 Corinthians 13 a lot. It's not just 1 Corinthians 13. We've got to let the rest of the Bible define what those words in 1 Corinthians 13 mean. What does kindness mean? What does rejoicing in wrongdoing mean? What does rejoicing with the truth mean? What does arrogance mean? Rudeness? What, what does patience mean, right? Let all of scripture inform us as to what love is. And I actually think, so to the person that asked this question and anybody else that's interested, I think a really good study would be to go through the Gospels, just read through all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read through those four books and ask yourself, how did Jesus speak the truth in love? How did Jesus love the people in front of him? What did love look like for Jesus? Because I believe that every single thing that Jesus did, he did in love. He, he, there, were, there, was not, there was never a moment, never a single moment in eternity that Jesus has not been loving, okay? Um, I think that's a challenge because the culture would look at some of the things that Jesus did and said and go, ah, that was kind of unloving. To the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler came to him and said, what do I do to be saved? And Jesus is like, well, have you kept the commandments? And he's like, yeah, I've kept all these. And then he's like, you got to go sell everything you have. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. Jesus wasn't saying that to be saved, you have to sell everything you have, but he loved this man enough to say, I know the thing that's going to hold you back from really having faith in me and really following me are your riches. And I'm going to put my finger on that and I'm going to press down on you in this area that's really uncomfortable for you. And the rich young ruler walked away sad. He walked away sad. And some people would say, man, Jesus, you had a real opportunity there. This guy was rich. He was influential. He, you, could have, you could have at least just over time, you could have waited some time before you said that, but Jesus said it right away. It was uncomfortable. It wasn't the thing the guy wanted to hear, but it was the thing that he needed to hear. And so again, I, I, that's why I said, I think it goes back to the difference between being kind and being nice. It is a loving thing for me to run into the street and yank my child out of the way of a moving car barreling toward them. They're not going to like it. It may not be comfortable for them. If it's, if it's in a, a rush enough, I may even injure them slightly in doing so, but it is the most loving thing that I can do. Um, in that moment, I'm going to probably be screaming at them to get out of the street as I run towards them. Um, screaming isn't nice, but it's loving in that moment. So, we, again, have to use God's standard of love. So again, maybe that's a helpful exercise. Read through the Gospels and, and read through the Gospels with the lens of how is Jesus speaking the truth in love in these moments? And how can I then do that in my own life? Um, 
all of these questions, by the way, could have used their own separate podcast episode. So I'm trying to be somewhat brief in my answers. Um, and I'm trying to say what I think is maybe most important to say in these moments. If you still want me to expound on this, seriously, you're welcome to ask me a question. I, I'm, I'm willing to even do another episode expounding a little bit further. If you're like, hey, can you touch on this part? Here's something I didn't understand about what you said. I really want this to be as much of a dialogue as is possible with a podcast. And the truth is, for all of you who know me, you are more than welcome to call me. Come to my office. Let's sit down and talk about these things. Um, this does not just have to happen, happen on a podcast. But I think all of these questions were helpful for everybody that listens to this as well. So that's uh, some of my thoughts on speaking the truth in love. Um, next Next week, next Wednesday, we'll be back uh, because this Sunday I'm going to be talking about homosexuality on the podcast. Um, obviously, a very personal, very touchy subject for many people, very difficult thing to speak about. And so um, I hope that you come ready for that. I am nowhere close. I'm, I'm going to get nowhere close to answering everybody's questions, um, especially on this topic. I'm not going to say everything that you want me to say. I'm not going to, I may not even say anything that you want me to say. That's hopefully this podcast is a chance for you to ask the questions. Um, next week's episode, I anticipate to have a lot more questions coming in just by the nature of, of, uh, of the podcast. So, um, Hope this is helpful. Uh, that's pretty much all that I had for today's episode. Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Some of you may be new listeners because this sermon series has prompted you to listen to the podcast. I'd love it if you subscribed. Go back and listen to past episodes. I've got upwards of 80 plus podcast episodes now. Most of them are about 15 minutes long. Um, so I hope that this is a great resource for you. Um, and I hope to continue being able to do this podcast even after this series. Um, and uh, hopefully you will continue to engage with me on that. Thanks as always for listening to the Hold Fast podcast. I will be back next week, Lord willing, with another episode. God bless.